This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. If I'm our nominee, I will unite this party and we will defeat Hillary Clinton and we will turn this country around once and for all after seven years of the disaster that is Barack Obama. I'm an establishment because my dad, the greatest man alive, was president of the United States and my brother, who I adore as well as a fantastic brother, was president. Fine, I'll take it. And I'm, I guess I'm part of the establishment because Barbara Bush is my mom. I'll take that too. We need to stop allowing political correctness to dictate our policies because it's going to kill us if we don't. You can't be in favor of defending us against Islam, radical Islam, if you're not for border security. If I am elected president, we will repeal every word of Obamacare. Stop the Washington bull and let's get things done. Romney, Romney, Romney. Stop it. You know, Romney probably had a good chance of winning this year. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) All right, guys, we're back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Alyssa Fuchs and Stanley Fritz on the PC Ones and Twos. And that was a clip of the last GOP debate right before the Iowa caucuses last week. That was the one where... Donald Trump notoriously said that he will not participate in and basically all the other um, candidates who are basically doing, you know, pretty well in the polls had a field day. They butchered his name. They took shots at him. He wasn't there to defend themselves. And they also basically didn't hold anything back. It was the final Republican showdown. You also know it was the lowest rated debate of the Republican <laughs> Party of the year, right? Like, it's the lowest-rated debate they've had since they started debates in 2016. He tried to extort Fox into giving him $5 million. million. That's awesome. Fox was like, no. Fox, Donald uh, Trump is awesome, which is why he has my primary vote. Well, you know you what? can't even well, vote in that primary. Shut up, unless I'm lying. Well, you know what? It just shows that, you know, Donald Trump has a lot of pull. And for him, you know, and Fox suffered a drop in their ratings because he wasn't there. So yeah. maybe they should have negotiated a deal. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All no, right. they shouldn't have. No? You, you disagree, Alyssa? I absolutely disagree. Yeah, they should not negotiate the, a deal. You know what? He thinks he's going to control the media. What is he, Putin? An authority, <laughs> you know? A, it, does he want to be a dictator? He tells the media what they're going to write, what they're not going to write. Well, Putin no. endorsed them, so. Yeah, you know. I, the media is, it, as much as I dislike Fox, I'm, I want the, the media to be independent, and I'm glad that they told him, no, we're not going to do what you want because that's what keeps the media independent. Mm-hmm. Now, we can have a whole long conversation about Fox News, but we're not going to get into that now. The fact is, good for, on them for standing up for, to him. Right. No, definitely, guys. So I just want to refresh everyone's memory. About a year ago, things a lot of things are very different, but then some things were pretty much the same. So if we can all just take a step back when we first started talking about the 2016 election. I know it's been a long time, but last year we were talking about how Hillary Clinton was a sh- clear front runner and was a clear just basically had a clear pathway to the White House right Bernie Sanders he almost he at one point he was suggesting that he might not even run and former Maryland governor Martin O'Malley pretty much said the same thing he was you know considering whether he would run or or not meanwhile Jeb Bush was amassing an intimidate um, and so much money when it came to fundraising, he almost intimidated a lot of candidates from even jumping into the race. Facts. And a lot of people even thought, uh, most people thought, you know what, Jeb Bush also has a straight pathway to the general um, election, right? Mm-hmm. Then we had Ted Cruz, who seemed at that point way too extreme to even have a chance. Scott Walker was a prime candidate. A lot of people, it was like Jeb Bush versus Scott Walker. A lot of people were getting behind that Scott Walker camp. Um, And Donald Trump was pretty much a joke. Fast forward, 
And to today, again, one day before the Iowa caucuses, and we have Bernie Sanders, who has led an impressive campaign that's pretty much stolen the hearts of millennials and given him a fair chance at beating Hillary Clinton, at least in some early voting states like all um, like Iowa and like New Hampshire. Big change. Clinton, she's still the front runner. On a national level, but Bernie Sanders at one point last year was trailing Hillary Clinton by 50 to 60 points. Now in Iowa, they are neck and neck. So shout out to Bernie Sanders' campaign because they have definitely hit the ground running. Uh, And if we look at it, if we think about 2016, Donald Trump has become the breakout star of the entire election. So much so that he uses his leverage to try to get media outlets to pay him to show up to a Republican debate. And so much so that a media outlet like Fox News suffers substantially if they don't have Donald Trump on that debate stage. So he's been throwing his weight around. He's also won the support of white supremacists, a lot of non-college-educated, working-class white folks. Uncle Ruckus. And even Democrats who are kind of like wanting Donald Trump to actually go into the general election uh, because it gives um, gives us a fair chance at the White House. And Stacey Dash. And Stacey Dash. Thank you, Stanley. <laughs> Uncle Ruckus, Stacey Dash. We cannot forget them. So, yes. again, um, a lot of things have changed. Some things have remained the same. But we have finally here. This will be... This is basically the first time where we're actually going to start casting some votes, right? So I wanted to start the conversation just talking about, again, the Iowa caucuses, why it's so important, why we should all be paying attention, and what's going to happen Monday night. And I know Alyssa, um, as our polling expert, political expert, legal expert, and everything else, um, <laughs> wanted to just give us a little quick quickie on the Iowa caucuses, why it's important, and why we should be paying attention. All right. I mean, really, I'm going to tell you not, not I mean, really what I want to tell you is what the caucus is, actually, because uh, a lot of people don't understand what a caucus is and how it differs from a primary. Get um, so... This is, you know how a primary works. That's how it is here in New York. It's, you go to the polls, you walk into the booth, you cast your vote for whoever you like the best, whether if you're a Republican, you vote for one of those 14 idiots, and if you're a Democrat, you vote for either Bernie or Hillary or Martin O'Malley. And yes, on both sides, you can write in a candidate. A caucus is much different because it requires you to actually go to an in-person event that you actually have to attend. Uh, this uh, this is called the caucus. It is held at a specific time in the evening. Um, there is one held, there are 1,681 precincts across Iowa, so there is one caucus held in each precinct so that um, and there's one caucus held for the Republicans and there's one caucus held for the Democrats. Um, there generally is no absentee voting, although this year, for the first time ever, both parties are letting out-of-state members of the military participate in the caucuses by web, and the Democrats are make, also making some allowances for disabled, elderly Iowans who may have trouble showing up to the caucus for them to join via telecast. Uh, the Republicans are not doing that. The caucuses, as I pointed out, are administered separately by each major party, so the Republicans uh, hold caucuses and the Democrats hold caucuses, and they have different rules. Uh, So on the Republican side, it's pretty simple. There's an opening statement by the person who's in charge of the party for that precinct at the caucus site. uh, And then there's a secret ballot vote on the presidential candidates is conducted. The results are tallied. And then whoever wins the secret ballot of each caucus, they go, you know, each precinct and they look at the 16, 1,681 precincts. 
and whoever wins the most votes in the secret ballot by each precinct wins the caucus for the whole state. The Democrats do it way differently. Um, they actually have like a debate. Uh, people show up, they go back and forth. You, it's not by secret ballot. You physically have to go stand. So it's like a Bernie side is one side and a Hillary side is the other. And people who are Bernie delegates stand on one side and people who are Hillary voters stand on the other. And um, and then there's debate and sometimes people switch sides and it goes back and forth. Um, and at the end of the night, uh, if one candidate doesn't get more than, um, doesn't get enough m- people to vote for them, 15 percent, then he or she is automatically eliminated. Uh, And if they both candidates get more than 15 percent, it goes to the one that has the highest percentage. And then same thing. They add up the number of caucuses in each one. Uh, So that's pretty much how a caucus works. And it's more participative because you actually have to go there and do it. Uh, The GOP is more of a secret, whereas uh, with the Democrats, you actually have to show, physically show your voter loyalty. Right. And because they actually have to come out, that's why Bernie Sanders has been so adamant about pushing young supporters in particular to actually show up. A lot of people say, like, you can get a millennial to a rally, but you can't get them to actually go dedicate an hour to at a caucus in Not Iowa. Just an hour. It can go on for much longer. Oh, wow. That. So it's time consuming. Yeah, it is basically. time consuming. So basically, that's why, again, Sanders has been pushing. But I wanted to know, so why is it so important? Like, this is something that, you know, it's so foreign, especially to people here in New York City. We don't have anything like this. Why is it so important for us to start paying, to, to pay attention and be watching this tomorrow night? Well, it's significant because the last five presidents who have going on to win their primaries, have done so by winning the Iowa caucus. The Iowa caucus was also the election that was a game changer for Barack Obama because all of a sudden he went from like being this young candidate with potential to someone who might actually be able to defeat Hillary, and he won Iowa. Um, Hillary has like notoriously done well in New Hampshire, and if Bernie wants to have any kind of chance of winning this election, he has to beat her in one of the two first elections. Iowa was the first one, New Hampshire the second one. Yeah, no, it's all about, it's one word, and one word only, momentum. Hmm. Iowa creates momentum. They're the first people to vote, um, and usually if you do well in Iowa, that, that can propel you to do well in other states. And actually, you don't even have to win it. I mean, winning it obviously is good, but there's been many candidates uh, who have won Iowa and then went on to lose the primary. Uh, that has happened before, so it's not that rare or I'm sorry it's not yeah it's not rare to win in Iowa and then end up not winning the nomination we've seen that before um but I think more to Stanley's point I think that Bernie probably has the better chance of winning New Hampshire because he's from Vermont and New Hampshire is uh, close to Vermont so I think what Iowa really about really is going to be about at least on the Democratic side is going to be about Bernie's electability and his momentum if Bernie can win Iowa and we know that he probably is going to pull out a win in New Hampshire then that gives him the momentum to potentially win some of the southern states like South Carolina that Hillary's really leading in Um, on the other hand if Hillary wins Iowa and then Bernie wins New Hampshire then the momentum is kind of split between them, and then it's going to be a much longer primary fight, which people are already predicting and expecting. So I just want to throw that question out there, and guys, if you're listening and you um, and you want to call up, I want to I know, so who do you think um, on the Democratic side has the potential to win Iowa? Or do you think that Bernie could actually win the numbers 212-650-6903? I don't think he's going to win Iowa. No, I think Hillary's going to win Iowa. Uh, she's Iowa has stung her before, so she's putting a lot of energy towards it. I, I think she'll probably... Honestly, I think she's going to win both, Iowa no. and New Hampshire. Oh, wow. 
Um, I think Bernie's going to keep close in both of those, which is what's going to keep him in a race. But I, I'm, she, they've been on the ground for too long to, to blow mm. this completely. Right. And you know what? And I just wanted to add, even doing well in Iowa and New Hampshire can definitely help the momentum, as Alyssa was talking about. And I wanted to point out that in the Republican um, race, every Republican that was elected in the Iowa caucus since 2000 has not gone on to be president. Like in yeah, yeah. I, they they actually elected Rick Santorum for one year and then and, and then two other candidates, I forget their names, but it doesn't necessarily mean you'll win. It right. just helps. Yeah, no, and I wanted to add to what Stanley said. Um uh, at least with respect to Iowa, I agree with you. I think that Hillary will win Iowa. Uh, they asked um, Tom Vislak, he's the ex governor of the state of Iowa, who I believe is currently serving as the Secretary of Agriculture uh, in the state, and he said that polls showed Mr. Sanders and Mr. Trump were um, were leading, uh, but he said those are misleading because they don't reflect the geographic distribution of the support. Most of the support for both of the men, meaning Trump and Sanders, uh, is concentrated in the cities, but that's uh, that will help them win the caucus in those cities, but it's not going to help them across the rest of Iowa, mm. which is rural. So when you look at polling data, you have to keep in the back of your mind, you have to read that with a grain of salt and ask not just who are they polling, but where are they polling? Yeah. If they're only right. polling people in the cities, then you're going to, that doesn't account for all the other precincts that are not in the cities, that are in rural and suburban parts of the state. And you may find that the data there is much different. So with that said, Stanley, do you think that Donald Trump has a good chance of winning Iowa, even though he's do, he's polling really well right now? Cruz is in a, in second place. He's down about by about five points, mm-hmm. um, and then you have like Rubio in a distant third place. Well, I'm gonna just be weird and say that like, I, first of all, Iowans take like the primaries very seriously, so I think they might be courting Trump or even Cruz, and pro- but I think Rubio probably is gonna like do a lot better than we expect, and John Kasich as well, really, because Iowans take their politics very seriously. Mm. And I think, like, at the end of the day, I think some of the establishment is going to start coming in. And I think they're going to be like, OK, we actually need to get somebody who can win this. So I think that um, Trump will do OK. But I really think Rubio is going to come out the winner in this. Oh, wow. Alyssa, what, what is your take on that? Um, I don't know. I think actually Trump is going to win Iowa, yeah, to be yeah. honest. That's yeah. my uh, just based on some of the demographics that I've been looking at, not just the polls. Um, but, you know, the big thing for Trump is going to be turnout. Right. He's, mm. he's had a lot of people show up to his rallies and, you know, his merchandise is selling very well. And those are some of the other indicators other than polls that, uh, you know, analysts look at, you know, how well is your merchandise selling? What kind of super PACs are potentially supporting you? Um, you know, where is your money coming from? How many people are turning out to your rallies? And then also look at the polls. Um, all the indicators seem to lead to the fact that Trump will win Iowa. However, again, because Iowa isn't a primary state, it's a caucus. You, these people, just because you go buy a Make America Great Again hat doesn't mean you're going to show up tomorrow night. So right. that's really going to be Trump's biggest thing, which is can he translate the people that will show up to his rallies um, into people that will show up in caucus from him? And furthermore, some of those people showing up to his rallies are not showing up because they support him. They're showing up because it's hilarious, right? Or, or they're showing <laughs> up in protest, or they're showing up because it's entertaining, but they're not going to actually go out and caucus for him. And in some cases, you actually have people coming from other states just to see Trump at a rally because it's entertaining. Those people are also not going to be caucusing tomorrow night in Iowa. So those things can be misleading. He's got to translate the people turning out for him to people turning up tomorrow night. Great point, Alyssa. I just wanted to add that it's true. Polls actually show that if Bernie Sanders or Trump 
Trump were to win Iowa caucuses, it's because they would not only have more people coming to the polls, but more new voters. If the people that voted in the 2008 caucuses are the only people that turn out, polls show that more than likely they're going to vote for Hillary Clinton and they're going to vote for um Oh, I forgot the Republican, but it was more of an establishment type of Republican. It wasn't Jeb Donald Bush, Trump. Marco Rubio, right. It wasn't it wasn't Donald Trump and it wasn't Ted Cruz. Uh, well, what I want to say is that like while we're talking about the polling numbers and everything else like that, we got to think about the ground game. Who has money that is funding their ground game out there? Because part of getting people to come out to these caucuses is being able to get them there, to knock on these doors, to make sure oh. they're there. Like who has a stronger ground game? I th- I still think Hillary has a stronger ground game. The the Bush the Bush team has wasted 60% of their PAC money already, but they barely spent any of their own money. And he's been investing a lot of time and energy into, the Iowa, into, into Iowa and to New Hampshire. So I think along with the polling, you've got to pay attention to the ground game because that's how the Obama campaign won in 2012. When people were saying they were down in the polls, they knew they weren't because their ground game had different numbers. Well, people, speaking of ground game, uh, the Iowa officials in Iowa are actually, I think part of Republican officials are actually criticizing Ted Cruz for one of the tactics that he just took in uh, in the ground game, um, which was he sent out these mailers. They were obviously, they were not official. They were made to look like official correspondence and they basically had like big led, red letters on them and I'm paraphrasing, but they said like, warning, 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 like uh, there's low turnout in your area. Your area is notorious for low turnout, but you can fix that. You can help. Now, obviously Obviously, this is a ploy. He's trying to get people to show up to the caucuses and caucus for him. But he, but he's doing that by using a tactic where he essentially makes these people think like turnout is low in your area. And if you don't turn out, then, you know, Hillary's going to be president. And so actually, the Republican Party has you know, lambasted that strategy and is very and said that, like, that's not really the way. uh, In fact, they say that he they he may have violated some rules, although he's saying, no, no, what I did is perfectly legal. But that's another point in strategy of ground game into literally scaring people to come out and caucus. And you got to think about that. If this person is willing to do anything to win a primary, imagine what that person would do, God forbid, if they were in the White House. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break, but we will continue the discussion about the 2016 election right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. I guess we're piped up. Piped is up. that Pi- what dab. they're talking about? Yes. Is I, that a dab song? Yeah, I have no idea what piped up means, but I heard it at the party on Friday. Oh, and that's why you're playing and this. I was like, dab. Oh, goodness. We're yeah. back, guys. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR. 90.3 FM. The voice of Harlem. My Harlem, name is Harlem. Selena. That's Stanley with the creepy ad lips. That's right, guys. And if you want to call in with questions or comments and talk about this election, you can. The number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. Or you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. If you're on Facebook, you can go on Politically Preposterous and talk to Alyssa and she will read your quotes. Right. And Alyssa Fuchs is also here just to add on. All right. So we... When we before we went on break, we were talking about the Iowa caucuses, why they're so significant and why we should be paying attention, because a lot of times the person, the candidates that win the caucuses usually go on to into the general election. So, you know, we'll see how that works out. Um, And we also talked about the primary vote in New Hampshire, which is very important as well. And it's coming up. That is February 9th. So um, I wanted to talk. Oh, Alyssa, I just wanted to note uh, for people listening to you in New York that we will vote in a primary on april 19th wow that's like so like kind of far from now yeah it is but just so you know when we vote right no thank you for that 
Alyssa. And um, I wanted to, to, to move on. Um, before we went on break, we talked about some of the strategies that the candidates have been putting into effect, focusing on a ground game. I know that Governor John Kasich has been putting almost all of his eggs in one basket in New Hampshire. Chris Christie has been doing the same thing. Not everyone is focused on Iowa. You have candidates like Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and Donald Trump who and Ted Cruz who are heavily focused on, on, on Iowa. But not everyone is doing that. Some are like, you know what? I'm not going to win Iowa. Let's focus on New Hampshire. Um, and I wanted to ask you guys, do you think how do, do you think that that could is effective for people like John Kasich and Chris Christie to put all the eggs in one basket and just really count on New Hampshire? Yeah, that's what Rick Santorum did with Iowa. That's how he won because he didn't have the funding. So he knew if he could win one election, the funding would start coming in. So he put all his eggs into Iowa. And, you know, it worked for him. Um, Barack Obama did that in a, in a way, too. He also focused a lot of his resources into Iowa. I mean, granted, he started bring, pulling in a lot of money a couple of months before the primaries, but the original plan was, like, go all in on Iowa. Well, you know, I'll give you a perfect example of this, how this strategy is working. So in Iowa right now, uh, most of the polls show Trump leading, followed by Cruz and Rubio. If you look at the New Hampshire polls, guess who's in second place after Trump? It's Kasich. So this strategy is clearly working for Kasich. He put all of, or at least seems to be working, that he put all of his eggs in one basket uh, in New Hampshire. And whereas he's like in fifth or sixth place in Iowa, he's actually right behind, not right behind Trump. I mean, he's Trump's leading him by almost 20 points. But on the other hand, because of this weird Trump phenomenon that we have going on, it's almost skewing it because it doesn't matter. Like Trump's still leading by 20 points in New Hampshire. So even with Kasich putting all, what is he doing putting all of his eggs in the one basket to win second place i mean is that his strategy it might be yeah he, but it'll work if you get second place and in, in a crowded like republican field in new hampshire that gives you second life because now it's like wait a minute this guy who has not been doing anything managed second place in new hampshire and one in the gravel state and it puts it positions you for when people are looking for somebody other than donald trump because he's not a part of the establishment it positions you to be the person they start to look at. That's what happened to Newt Gingrich in the 2012 election. That's what happened to literally literally everyone that went against Mitt Romney in the 2012 election. All they had to do was lag behind long enough for the media to go, hey, who's that black guy who sells pizza and says 999? Or, you know, <laughs> whoever else was behind him at the time. Herman Cain. Oh, my God, I love Herman Herman, Cain. I miss him. Um, I knew we have a caller on the line, uh, one of our favorite callers, Miss Deborah, who would like to let her voice be heard. Good morning, Miss Deborah. Hi, everybody. How are you? Listen, how come no one has mentioned, no one has made anybody focus in terms of the candidate, focus on what has happened in, De- in, in, in Detroit? That's a good oh. In Flint, man, I'm sorry. No, you know what, Ms. Deborah, that's actually a great question. In the last Democratic debate that we had, not last Sunday, but the Sunday before last, that was one of the focus points. I remember Hillary Clinton, and I was so proud of her. She started off the conversation, and she said, and she basically blasted Governor Rick Snyder for his mishandling of the Flint water crisis. And, of course, uh, Bernie Sanders has also been calling for him to be to step down and a lot of people also calling for his arrest i don't know what the republicans are saying if anything because rick snyder is a republican governor but you're right to bring up that point i want to know what the next potential president would do today to fix this water crisis well, in the defense both hillary well hillary bernie and martin o'malley the debate only asked one question about climate 
It didn't really give him a chance to say much, if anything, about it. So props to Hillary for saying that. Bernie has been saying loudly that Snyder needs to resign. And Snyder does need to resign and go to jail. But I'll talk. I'll tell you why I think that. Right, but and it also has come up in the Republican debate, though, because Kasich had said something about uh, the crisis that was going on in Flint. And meanwhile, I've seen numerous articles published this week, one uh, that I, I don't know what the title of, but I know it was in Vox, about how it's almost the pot calling the kettle black because uh, the state of Ohio has led problems as well, maybe not to the extent that the state of Michigan does or the area of Flint and the crisis that we're seeing. I think another part of it, though, is um, that this, you know, interplay between state and federal and about local politics and state. So when you're looking at this water crisis, on one hand, it's a very state-based thing. It has to do, as you said, with the governor. On the other hand, the real question is, or the real question that I think should be asked is, if you were the president, what would you do or how would you direct the federal government to step in to help the state in this situation, even though the state created the problem? Right. Um, and if you were going to say we're going to expend resources, meaning money, to help Michigan pay to fix the problem, um, then the, the second question is, how are you going to get that money um how are those how is that money going to be distributed and how is michigan going to be held accountable to have to pay back some of that money in the future um those are the questions that i guess should be asked because those are the questions that matter to somebody who's thinking about is this person going to be a good leader if they are elected president how are they going to help states even solve problems that the states created that are not quote unquote federal government problems per se no. Yes. I wanted to jump in because, and this is kind of petty, but you have a Republican in office and president. These things will happen more often because they fully plan to gut the EPA. Right. And one of the reasons this happened and went on for so long was because the EPA first did not detect it, and then secondly, the person who should have been saying something about it was covering it up. Mm. Now imagine if you have a Republican-led EPA. Mm. I don't want to imagine that. Yeah. That would be horrible. Um, I just want to move the conversation along. We'll be wrapping up this conversation in a few more minutes. But which candidates, uh, looking at the polls today and looking at the campaigns and their strategies, I want to know which candidates do you think have the best chance at w- of going to the general election and then winning the White House? And let's remember, again, a year from now, um, it, it, your perception might have been much different. I know mine was. Well, I think... I, I want to say Bernie because like, really, I, like, I, really, I want. No, I'm saying like I, in my heart, I want to say Bernie, but I don't think that he's going to have enough to beat Hillary. I think Hillary's going to win the, the primary for that one. On the Republican side, it's a wild race, but I think Rubio is going to come out the winner. Well, Ooh. it's interesting that you say that because obviously, you know, I would agree with you. I, in my heart, like Bernie. I plan on ber- voting for Bernie in the primary, but yeah. this conversation isn't about who I like or who we like. The, this conversation is about who do we think is going to win, and I agree with you. I think that Hillary Clinton is going to win, um, and the fact that you mentioned Rubio is kind of scary that you think he's going to pull it out because I think he's the only person who can beat Hillary. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I'm hoping in my heart of hearts that it ends up not not being Rubio, because I think if it's not Rubio, then either Sanders or Clinton can beat Trump or Cruz. But I think if it is Rubio, then you're going to have a problem whether it's, you know, Clinton or whether it's Sanders. Well, what makes Rubio so electable and how what makes him so viable to win and even beat Hillary? So let me be clear. Rubio is a liar and he's a horrible. Pol- he's a horrible like leader, but he's an amazing politician. He knows how to fl- like to flip language. He knows how to evade questions. And also he's young. He's Spanish. He's Latin, I should say. Cuban. He, he like he's bilingual. So for people who are not like following these things day by day, if they just see a good-looking young person 
and who's bilingual and represents some of the, a large portion of the community, and he's saying Hillary is the establishment and I'm something new, they'll believe him. Right, and I, I think the first part of the, what you said about the twisting of words, I mean, he's for very similar policies, maybe not exactly the same, but he's for similar policies uh, as Ted Cruz and uh, as some of the other ones. He just has a way of branding it to make it seem more like compassionate conservatism. I mean, that was the whole George Bush strategy. They wanted the same things. They just found a way to brand them, uh, you know, to sound better, to not sound as bad. Um, But I'm not basing my off of that. What I was actually basing my opinion off of is just looking at polls in swing states, general election polls. So a big thing that I've been doing and trying to figure out who might win this election is I'm looking at Clinton versus Trump in Ohio, then Clinton versus Rubio in Ohio, and Clinton versus Cruz in Ohio. And then I'm looking Sanders versus Trump in Ohio. Why Ohio? Because Ohio is a really important state uh, when it comes to the general. Where else am I looking? I'm looking at Pennsylvania. I'm looking at Florida. I'm looking at the head-to-head matchups. And what I am finding is uh, across at least the swing states right now, and these are based on the poll averages, not based on one individual poll, that... When you do the head-to-head matchups in the swing states, Rubio performs the best against both Hillary and Bernie Sanders. And that's what makes me think Mm. if Rubio gets the nomination, he will maybe pull out winning the White House. You know what? It's funny and it's almost scary at the same time because I think a lot of Republicans know that. And I think that a lot of Republicans have been backing, endorsing and pouring into Rubio's campaign because they know that he has the, the, the greatest chance to beat them. But then you have the constituents and the people with the loudest voices and they backing Trump. Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. Which and is I great think for Democrats. It's great for Democrats. But if I was a Republican right now, I mean, this just really illuminates the divide in a political party and i think that a lot of republicans who know politics are should be very upset and very scared but there's a divide in the democratic party as well and it's one that people aren't talking about you know how many people i know who say if bernie isn't nominated they are not voting or they are voting for the green party they're idiots and you know what that means that means that if hillary wins a nomination we are not guaranteed to get full support from the base and if that happens and you get somebody in it like Rubio or maybe Cruz who might be able to finagle his way into a couple of new voters, it makes the election a lot closer. I was talking about that the other day with my aunt and she said something that I hadn't really considered, which is if Bernie doesn't win the primary, then Bernie's going to turn around and he's going to endorse Hillary and he's going to tell his supporters to endorse her. And there's still going to be people, as you point out, that are going to say, I don't care if Bernie's saying I got to go out and vote for her. I'm not going to do it. But I think... A good portion of these people who are right now saying if Bernie's not the nominee, I'm not going to vote or I'm going to vote green. If and when Bernie is not the nominee and turns around and tells them go out and vote for Clinton or you're going to end up with a Republican in the White House. Some of those people, not all of them, but some of those people are going to listen. No, and they should. And that's just a test to these diehard Bernie supporters. Uh, Hillary Clinton also has a lot of diehards as well. But again, Bernie Sanders has done tremendous work um, in the last few months, and he has a lot of passion behind his campaign. Um, I want to end by asking everyone, what are you in particular watching for um, in, in the next few months in the primary? Well, I'm actually watching for something something very different. I'm not watching for the primary, which yes. will happen. I'm looking for the new debates that are happening now. The Hillary Clinton and, and Bernie Sanders, both ca- their campaigns has a, have agreed to do four additional debates, which I think is important because it'll give the American people a chance to really get to know these candidates. And I think those four additional debates will help someone like Bernie Sanders, even if he doesn't win Iowa or New Hampshire. 
And uh, and I'm watching the head-to-head polls in the swing states, as I just mentioned. I think that's going to be my biggest focus at what I'm looking on, um, mainly because, I don't know, I'm nerdy and I'm caught up in trying to predict the election. I predicted it successfully last time around. I missed the Electoral College by one state. I mean, my if, on a 50-state map, I got 49 out of 50 states correct. So my goal is to continue to watch the head-to-head races in the swing state polls um, and to try and make a pretty accurate prediction about who's going to win. I think for the most part, what I'll be watching for is the Donald phenomenon that we've all seen and has basically blew our minds and a lot of a, a lot of what people who uh, traditionally have been watching politics and have been big players in politics, um, you know, he's gone against the grain in every way possible. He says things that are xenophobic, are Islamophobic, are racist, sexist, misogynist, and he's just doing better and better. And he's also threatened to make a third party run. So we don't, I mean, I think that just him as a candidate has definitely brought some new newness into this campaign and it's gotten a lot of people's attentions and I'm very curious to see where it goes. Well, I mean, I just, my final thing about that is there's two things that we haven't kind of brought up into the mix that I think are important. One is um, the, if Trump feels like if there's a broken convention, something I mentioned a few weeks back, if Trump feels like he's not getting the attention he deserves or if Trump loses the primary, um, then there's a there may be either one. He could end up running as a third party candidate and splitting the Republican vote, which would be great for the Democrats, whether it's Hillary or whether it's Bernie. Um, Two, there's also the potential that Michael Bloomberg may jump in the race. So people, you know, that's been talked about and that could definitely affect the Democrats negatively or it could a bunch of people that are disenfranchised on both sides can end up coming out. We'll won't get into that. It remains to be seen whether that's going to happen. Um, but I think the best possible outcome for the Democrats would be Trump running as a third party or people. Oh, yeah, definitely. People writing Trump in as a third party candidate would definitely um, that would definitely change the dynamics. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out as we go forward. No, yeah, absolutely right, Alyssa. And I think that a lot of people are in particular watching for that, especially all the momentum that Trump has been getting. And we'll continue to watch for it. It's been very interesting now. We have Super Tuesday coming up. Um, I guess, you know, that'll be one of the next times that we'll probably address this issue about the 2016 election. And, you know, it's a close race and it's going to continue to be a close race. And I think what matters is that every voice every vote counts it matters that you're paying attention and you're voting not only with your hearts but with your minds and i know i sound like a hillary clinton supporter right now but i think that everyone should be well informed and well educated about who's running what's their platform and what they would do if they were in the white house on that note we're going to take a quick break we're going to go right into the news roundup when we get back and don't worry we're going to also talk about later south sudan and the crisis there 